Hello and welcome to the Noise Creators Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and today I am here with my good friend Nick Bruzazes from the band Man Overboard. Nick is also a producer with a great studio called The Lumber Yard that he runs with Ascenders that he's going to talk all about. Nick's worked with his own group, Transit, Handguns, Grayscale, and tons of others. We get into a lot of stuff about band identities and what it's like being in the current climate and lots of other topics. It goes all over the place, I think, with a lot of really, really interesting information. So stay tuned. Before we play this podcast, I do want to tell you about Jay-Z microphones. In particular, their Black Hole series, the BH2 and the BH1S, which are the result of relentless improvement of technology spanning more than 30 years. The mic wows you with clarity and richness. They incorporate a gold drop capsule technology using this innovation. The capsule's diaphragm is lighter, therefore it moves much faster and delivers more clarity, precision, as well as reducing colorations and distortions. These handcrafted studio microphones are designed for producers and are already used by world-class producers like Rafa Sardina, Tom Russo, Mark Urselli, Sylvia Massey, Rob Chiarelli, and many others. Right now they're offering a deal that's 50% off for Black Hole Series microphones. Visit jzmike.com blackhole. Uh, I also want to say they mailed me one of these and I've been totally blown away by the clarity of it and I don't have to say that. I'm going to keep using it and I'm going to keep reporting back to you over these next few episodes about what I think about it. But so far, this mic has a stunning clarity and out of the 30 mics in my mic collection, I'm pretty blown away by what I'm hearing. So... Without further ado, I want to remind you my new book, Processing Creativity, is out on audiobook and any other format. So if you like this conversation, I suggest you pick that up because you'll like that too. And here's a quick commercial for my other podcast, and then we're going to get the fun started. Hello, my name is Jesse Cadden. I've devoted my life to trying to go deep and figure out what goes into making great albums. In the past, I've been lucky enough to make great records with bands like The Cure, Animal Collective, The Misfits, and over a thousand others. I've written two books and recorded hundreds of podcasts pursuing the hidden secrets of how great music gets to the world's ears. Now I am proud to present to you Atlantic Records Inside the Album Podcast. Atlantic has granted me unprecedented access to the artists, producers, managers, and A&R to discuss what goes into really making the great records they release. On this season, we talked to Dashboard Confessional about making a record that pleases both himself and fans, both old and new. I like old stuff better, and I like moments and songs from our later era of recording. But as a whole body of work, I like everything up through half of Dusk and Summer. Jeff Richman and the creators of the hit play Mean Girls talk about what goes into developing a mega-hit Broadway play and cast recording. Trying to find out what is that song that you actually want to like sit down and write is tricky and is a challenge because there's not that much real estate for songs, even though it's a musical. Vance Joy talks creating a follow-up to a successful debut album. And I'm more like eating my lunch before breakfast, kind of like getting too far ahead before I'm like focusing on just this one detail of what am I doing making a song. Pete Wentz of Fall Out Boy talks mentoring nothing nowhere. But first you find out if you like someone's art. If you do and that's interesting to you, you find out what their basic mission statement as an artist is. And then you see if you can align with that vision. And we also talked to Grandson about crafting his highly politically charged debut EP. The indie rock band wallows on making a record that sounds like the loss of youth. Jason Mraz on finding a greater truth in music for his latest LP, No. And Brent Cobb on making honest music. Subscribe now and stay tuned for the deepest inside look you will get into how great records are being made today. You can also head to AtlanticPodcast.com for more information on this podcast and Atlantic Records. 
So how do you introduce yourself to people who don't get the music business? Well, normally, like my wife's friends, they're all guidance counselors. So like, what does your husband do again? And I just tell people, well, I, I record and produce bands. Some people don't understand. Like, what, it's like, what else do you do? I'm like, I pretty much do that all the time. <laughs> I like pride myself in doing it every day. But it's hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like it's a constant grind. So people are like, well, like what, what time do you work? I'm like, well, it all depends on when the band can work. So, like, so you don't have a set schedule? I'm like, no. There's no set anything in this business. It's literally just like take work when you can get it, you know. That is the case. So catch us up on what you've been up to since we last spoke. Well, I was in my old spot, which you came to in Williamstown, like just a small, legit little shed. And then when Man Overboard decided to go on hiatus, I could finally like dive in and take it seriously. Because I was always like held back being in that small spot because I was like, I want to message bands that are like of Man Overboard size, but I can't bring them here. Like, so I need to like build a spot that's professional that I can have big Big bands come to or bigger bands come to so ace enders from early november and i he was already here it's in this old antique shop which i think you guys talked about on his podcast with you last time it's still in an antique shop it's crazy and we're on the second floor and right now i think we got like three thousand ish square feet Man Overboard track in the Blasting Room in Colorado with Bill Stevenson. So, like, when I left there, they do, like, the whole factory style. So, like, drums in one room, goes and gets edited, guitar in the next room, you know, vocals at night. So, that's kind of, like, what I came here and told Ace about. And then we built this spot kind of based on, like, a DIY version of that studio. Yeah, it was the Blasting Room you learned that technique at, right? That's where you learned it. Totally, yeah. So, like... Well, come on you were doing that with me yeah yeah definitely but i mean like they were on a scale of like you know they got money <laughs> that studio you know but i mean like even with us like you had mike mike wasn't like on your level you know what i mean you didn't have a clone of yourself they're like all jesse's so it was like different in that aspect to where it's like you weren't having to worry about the intern doing a b and See, you know, for them, they're like, yo, this is the A guy. This is the B guy. He's the C guy. You know, they all have like really good resumes. So in that respect, it was different. We went there and it was like super smooth. I came here and talked to Ace about it and let him know like how the experience went, because not a lot of people have done that. Like, I think only you've done that and like them on a large scale. Howard, Howard, Howard Benson had been doing it for a lot of years, too. I personally have never experienced it on that big of a scale. So we did that. I mean, we don't have as much money as them, but it looks nice in here. We started, it's called the lumber yard. Yeah. So we have that like little factory system because bands like don't have, a, they don't have a lot. Of, they think they have a lot of time, but they don't. And B, they don't have a lot of money. So every band comes in, you're like, okay, what do you want to sound like? Like, oh, we want to sound like this band. We want to sound like, we want to sound like Man Overboard. So you're like, okay, well, Man Overboard would live in Union City for a month and a half. <laughs> yes. You know, you don't have a month and a half. To record saying you want to sound like that and actually putting your foot forward and doing it are two different things so we've tried to figure out like how we could still get that quality in a short amount of time with a lower budget so that's kind of what we aim to do right now because we're still like i mean like you said we've only talked about it this has only been for two years so like technically it's still a new thing and we're trying to build it every day and you know the studio grind is such a grind so yeah i mean that's really what we've been up to we've been 
there's a lot of cool up and coming bands that we've been working with that hopefully you work on the band so much and it's really up to them when they leave here to like figure out how to grow their band so we also try to like have little talks throughout the recording session like you used to have with us and stuff and be like you know like when you get out of here you should try to tackle this and do that because it'll do this and that for your band you know we try to help bands on that level too because like ace and i've been through it so yeah man that's what i've been up to i've been doing it you know ever since ever since we spoke i'm an old fat recording guy now no hair oh man two kids couple couple plugins <laughs> nice so we were talking about that advice is there any advice you give to each band you record i mean ace and i differ on this but I'm huge with the social media game, you know, and I, and I think it's the only way really now to like really brand yourself and get yourself out there is by sitting on Instagram and growing your Instagram and growing your Facebook and growing your YouTube channel. So like, I think a lot of bands come in here underestimated and they like think it's corny and we're like, when I'm like, yo, you know, you guys should be posting on your story like 15 times. They like laugh at you. You're like, no, for real though, you know, cause like everything is a reality show now. So like, even if you think you don't have followers that you know like your band like you're gonna find some that do so like start doing it the right way and like take it serious because everybody's got a shot now you know mm -hmm. like dude remember when i said the twitter thing to you like you can use twitter to promote your band remember that <laughs> yes i do you know like i'm saying that to kids and they're like what are you talking about like it's not gonna happen like that like we're gonna make cds you're like dude what are you making cds for i don't understand <laughs> i haven't bought a cd in years uh I, I i'm right there with you dog if they have extra money i'm like i don't know like maybe run like a targeted facebook ad or like promoting your video or something like that instead of dumping your money into cds that you're just going to either a give out or b they're going to sit under your bed for the next 10 years so that advice of like you know you everybody's got a shot now everybody's got like a chance to get somewhere with the internet is like a conversation that's new because like like i said it was just Starting, I think, to pop off when Man Overboard was, you know, coming up. But I don't think like Instagram wasn't even out then. No, I know for a fact Instagram was not was not out when we started having those conversations. Even since Man Overboard's been hiatus, we've been joking and like practicing. We're like. Instagram story wasn't around when we were a band. So like post us on your Instagram story for the first time ever. Everything's always evolving. And I think like I've even learned it from you, you know, just like it's all social media, man. It's all being a real person online and like connecting with people that way. Cause then they'll come out to your show. You'll have them, you'll hook them. I don't know. And like a, a big thing Ace and I sometimes disagree on too is touring. You know, sometimes bands don't have to tour forever anymore like man over we were tour for so long i just feel like it's not it's not the case anymore sometimes it's now the case that uh you're more of a content machine and less of a traveling machine is what I exactly say. a big thing i always talk about like i would love to hear your thoughts on this as well like if you don't put the tour work in now like we used to do do you lose the fans just as fast as you gained them from not doing that work anymore so what my thing is, is this, you would have to stay top of mind, but you also have to stay top of relevancy. So you have to know what your audience has come to expect. So if they 
form the relationship with you where they have this magical moment with you live and you're not regularly feeding that, yes, you go away. But if their magical moment is actually your videos, so let's say, say it's the Man Overboard Montrose video is what they considered magic. Mm -hmm. If you're regularly giving them something that they feel, then that's more than good enough. It's just the fact is, is that most people aren't doing either. Let me also say this. Most people's videos have no emotion to them at all. Totally. People don't even get what, like I was saying this at the URM summit is like, when I say emotion, I mean that like most videos, you know, I always say there's like three different types of videos are effective. It's like you change the perception of the band, you augment the emotion of it, or you do a spectacle. The spectacle is more like a viral video, like where you're going to just do something that people share. What most people do is they don't do any of those three. They just like, they're like, well, here's us looking cute. Now that may work. Like, you know, if you're guys who look good with your shirts off, that may make more of the emotional connection, but most people aren't that. You got to do one and keep that relationship going where people get something out of being connected to you. Exactly. And I think that's a good point. I never really thought of it that way. Like, even if they are getting a video, like, and, and that's great advice for young bands because it's like everybody wants an answer. You know, when I record bands, I feel like 90% of it is the vibe. And I feel like they're always like just waiting for you to say something that's going to change something for them. That's a good way to put it. You know, like even if you're feeding them a video and connecting with somebody through a video, then you got to do more videos like that. If it's not touring, you know, but I do think a small part of it does come from like that, like intimate show that you played. Perfect example. Last night, Bloom, Tori's band used to be in transit. They played a house show like 10 minutes from my house. My old ass decided to go. My wife's like, you definitely going? I'm like, I mean, he's from Boston. He's 10 minutes from my house right now. Did you have to de-rust the walker to get there? I, I, I got out my braces, <laughs> you know, my leg brace, my Forrest Gump leg braces, and I went, you know, shuffled my ass down there. My point is there were so many kids there that had no idea who his band is, and they, like, they, they captivate people now because he put such a big band together. You just won those people over for the rest of your band's career tonight. You know what I'm saying? No, and I it's do. Not like, and it's not like the constant feed of, like, content that way it's almost like do you think it's gonna circle back mm -hmm. you think people are gonna be like i'm sick like you're saying there's three types of videos people normally miss the mark mm -hmm. so it's like are people gonna get sick of it and be like yo i need to see this band live like fuck this video shit like let me go see what's up it's like that old school mentality i don't know sometimes i think like you gotta grind still on tour it's not as easy i actually do agree that it, it is this thing and i think what people also don't get is that an all of the above approach also often works which is that you make those connections in person you make those connections through videos and it's like that's where people really do the big damage these days yeah totally and i feel like with your brain and justin's brain back in the day like we accomplished that we accomplished hitting all, every nail like doing the video doing the shows doing the podcast like we were not fucking around you know well do you remember we used to have this saying that like around like i'd say like 2011 that between zach writing songs justin and i doing work and jeff casaza that there was like very rarely a hour of the day that somebody wasn't working on the band doing yeah, something that's crazy that a lot of people are like oh i'm working on the band i was talking to fans and answering their tweets like no no no, no. i mean like we were doing something actively that was going to like push this band forward that would created a community it created a spectacle that 
people wanted to look at. Exactly. The biggest thing is, is like, why I say that, like, well, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I want to do that, but they can't even think of the ideas to do it. And we just sat around and always thought of the ideas that we came up with. The Fed Pop Punk mixtapes and covers and all these things. And what was the thing? 18 months we recorded 75 songs. You're right. Like the people, they can't, A, they can't think of the idea because I don't even know why, but B, like you said, like we, we had like some family vibe shit going. Like we were just sat around, drank. What the hell were we drinking? That pineapple rum or something? Oh God. You guys used to drink the most disgusting shit I've ever seen. We just talk about ideas and be like, yo, what if we did this? And you'd be like, yo, we could do that if we did it this way. And you'd be like, Justin, do that, and I'll do this. And it was like, everyone shut the fuck up for like an hour, you know, or we went away and you guys did something. It's like, and you're right. It's like, and I think that mentality needs to happen for more bands now more than ever, because there is so much shit. There is so much content. And it's like, if you're going to put out a shitty video, you got to expect people to see through it and be like, yo, these people don't give a shit. Like, this is like phoned in. Literally phoned in, because like when you talk about that shitty video, what I picture is, is like a kid hanging up his cell phone and then it goes back to the band playing that video just did nothing for you and you just wasted however much money and time doing that video because there's no emotional connection in it because it's been done so many fucking times exactly and now the the song is attached to the video so much on the online then you can't stop thinking about the video so you don't even listen to the song (laughs) you know what i mean it's really is true and like people don't get that that effort beforehand that like brainstorming and it's like it's not like it's not fucking fun it's like we were sitting around getting drunk like you know i I thought of the other day is like some fucking kid wrote me and asked me about something from the song FM dial style. I'm like, Oh my God. I remember like when we came up with that name, it was just like us sitting around trying to figure out an album order for real talk. And then like, I said that dumb fucking thing or whatever. And then it's like, Oh, well there it is. It was just sitting around getting fucked up. Like you guys would be smoking tons of weed and we'd be like doing it. I mean, I don't want your uh, kids to hear this one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, daddy still does it. (laughs) Daddy's got to go to the grocery store every week. So I got to get high before I go there. You're like Mero of Jesus America. I get high before I go to target. Yeah. (laughs) I do think though, advice for young bands is like one of those things too, where I always go back and forth with myself. It's like, you either get it or you don't. Like if I'm wasting my breath, sometimes I could feel it. You know, I'm like, these kids just don't get it. And like, is it, is it now I feel like because I'm recording the band, like, is it my job to like make them get it? So like, I spend a lot of time really like trying to help everybody that comes in here. Cause I just feel like there's one guy in every band. I mean, look at a sense of belonging, dude. For the listener, this is your band before Man Overboard. So they yeah, got oh, it. Way, yeah, way before Man Overboard, really. It wasn't I mean, way. It was like a year. Come on. I guess my hair was thing. I judge everything by that. You had no idea that I would ever come back with a band like Man Overboard. You know? No, no. I, if I anything, I thought the difference. I mean, you remember my the girl I was dating at the time. We were like laughing when you guys walked up. She was dropping me off. She was like, they're all wearing diamond earrings. And we we're like laughing about it. So like, I, I that's like a huge lesson that I think I've always taken with me with recording because like i never thought man overboard happened so like when i did come to you with a sense of belonging and then like i came back with man overboard it was like i'm like fuck man i am a million kids so like every kid that walks through the door i gotta like give him my all because i don't who the fuck knows you know yeah no, no it's a big thing and that's like a big lesson i think i if that didn't happen i you know i don't think i would ever learn that lesson so pretty rad my advice for bands you know suck it up do what you gotta do if you want it so bad like then fucking do it you know you gotta just do it 
So how do you figure out how long it takes for a band to make a record when you're dealing with them? Oh, man, that's such a crazy question because it differs from everybody. I mean, like, to be honest, I think it all depends on the drummer, you know? I, like, I like got to watch the drummer play and then I'll know, you know? I mean, perfect example. Like, look at Man Overboard. We tracked Real Talk, finished the record, drove home on the turnpike with Wayne last day recording, called you at exit seven and was like, dude, we got to retract the drums. That's real, you know? So, I mean... No one ever knows to sign the credits that there's four drummers on that record. Four. I know. It's crazy. Right now, for bands to come in, like with the system we have, Ace and I are really big with like songwriting. We bring a lot to the table when it comes to like song structure, melody, lyrics, you know, like we're we're very hands-on with that. So depending on like really what the band wants out of it, I'll know. So if they're like, yo, we're really trying to dive in and like work these songs and really make it like pop, then we're going to need some time for pre-production and like figuring it out before we even start recording. If it's a band that's like, yo, we love these songs the way they are, like some input would be cool here and there. Then like we do like two days of pre-production and then we start tracking that second day. So we kind of say like, if you're doing three songs, then book five days. If you're doing, you know, five songs, book seven like give yourself two extra days nice how about what does that pre-production look like yeah so pre-production looks like i mean we break it down to depending on the band obviously but play the acoustic guitar and sing it right now like in a room together in aces on aces side we all sit in a room together and we like all right here's the first song here's the demo if you have the demo we'll check it out even after listening to the demo, we, we break it down to like, can you capture me singing this song acoustic to me right now? If I don't feel anything, then like something's got to get moved around or something like that. So that's like a day or two of us sitting in the in the room, just playing the songs together and trying out different parts. While that's going on, we got drums getting set up in the other room and tuned and stuff. That's kind of what that looks like. Right now, we're in the stages of, because we have two live rooms here. So the first live room that Ace has, we're kind of using that as like a band rehearsal so if we do pre-pro your song acoustic guitar figure it out then like the band can actually go in the other room and jam it and figure it out and then when the drummer feels like confident that he's got it he's gonna pop over to the real side and we're gonna just bang it out in a couple takes type of thing so that's like kind of what we're working on now it's better just so the band can like feel it out. You know, it's different. Like you figure it out acoustic and you're like, yeah, this is cool. Let's start tracking it. They're like, well, how do we build it? Cause it's not an acoustic song now. So like, why don't you guys go in the other room and let's really figure it out. Like, I think we did, we did a lot of that stuff too. So like if the song didn't work, then we would take it down to the skeleton or we would just put it away until you guys figured out how to make it work again. Yeah. Yep. And that's because we were pumping out songs. Yeah, you guys had so many songs to choose from that a lot of the time it was just, let's do all the ones that are working, with the exception of like once in a while when it would stall in pre-production, we'd have to rewrite stuff, but yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe we're going with here. Like, go jam it out, figure it out, and you know, when the drummer is cool, you know, we'll, we'll get to work in the other room. So... How do you show a band that you're on the same team? Well, I mean, I'm trying to get to the point to where they know it before they come in the door. But if they don't, I think with the whole pre-production thing and letting them know, like, everything that's going to come out of my mouth right now is, comes from a place of love. Like, I'm, I may offend you, but, like, I don't mean to offend you. I'm just trying to help right now, you know? So, like, I'm just going to say the first things that come to my mind when I hear your song. And you could take it for what it's worth. Because guess what? Everybody else in the world is going to do that to your song. So, like, why not start with me? So like, I'm here right now, I'm on your team and I'm going to tell you part A sucks. 
Part B is great. Part C needs work. So like, hear it from me now. Let's figure it out together. And then we'll move on. Because like I said, like every person that listens to your song gives you what? What do they say? Like 10, 15 seconds, whatever it is. So like, that's like, I think a good way of that I found of going about it with a band. It's like, yo, I'm going to say whatever. I'm on the team. I'm trying to help. But like, leave your ego at the door. I don't have my ego here. So like, just two guys trying to make the song great. And then, and then I take my hat off and they see I have no hair. And they're like, oh, I feel comfortable around this guy. <laughs> well, you know, that, that that is the reality these days. Yeah, Nick's just sitting here. He's got no hair. What happens when somebody says nobody will hear that? My guitar's squeaking, the drum's rattling, like whatever. You're hearing it back and somebody's like, no one's going to hear that. <laughs> Normally it's me that's saying that. <laughs> no, is it? Okay. I fix everything anybody wants to say when they're like, yo, no one's going to hear that. If there's somebody in the band that's like, no, I think whatever, I always cater to what somebody wants. If it is something whack, I will be like, that's whack, shut up. What is the order you guys commonly track it? Is it drums, bass, guitar, vocals, or does it change up what normally happens? Yeah, sometimes it changes up. I actually think it was like a URM one that Andrew Wade said when he tracked a day to remember, they did the drums last. Not only did they do the drums last, they tracked the drums without a kick drum too. And then he sampled the kick drum in. I always thought that was so fascinating so like i never got to try that yet because i just watched him say that but normally we do the pre-production and we lay scratch tracks out for everything so then the drummer's playing to like the bass the guitar the vocal we do the drums as soon as song one is done it gets edited as soon as that's done getting edited normally on ace's side they start a guitar while i start the second song on drums and then as soon as Ace is done, I start the other guitar and then I start singing at night while Ace starts like mixing and like leveling shit out. So there's always something getting done. Like normally though, we start with the drums. Do you have any philosophy on the order a record should go in, like once you get all the songs done? I used to. Back in the day, I did. Now, I don't. Because in my experience with Man Overboard, no matter what song I thought was the best, or no matter what song I wanted people to hear first, was never the case. There's so many people that have came up to me like, dude, Man Overboard, I love this song. I'm like, wow, really? They're like, yeah. I'm like, how do you love FM dial style? You know, like something like that. They're like, that's the first song I ever heard from you guys. I'm like, how? How's FM dial style the first Man Overboard song you ever heard? You know? So like, that's happened to me so many times that I was like, fuck it, man. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the order is. If somebody's going to fall in love with a song, it doesn't matter if it's track two or six. And the way things roll now, like... It's sad to say, but I don't see people, A, releasing record records, unless they're like, you know, a band of caliber. But like, a lot of the stuff is singles now. You know, it's like, here's the single, here's the single, here's another single, here's another single. You just run it. Because like, you want to release your 12 song record in a day, or you want to do it over a year. You know, so it's like, that's kind of like, I think the climate we live in now with music, you don't want to waste your chances anymore. So I don't have any more philosophy on track order. And now I just kind of leave it up to the band because nine times out of 10, they want to make CDs. And I'm just like, I'm not the guy to talk to about making CDs, man. I don't even buy them. <laughs> so, so, you know. Yeah, I definitely haven't bought a CD in, I think, I, th I think 13 years. You do the whole track order thing? Oh, I, I, I honestly, I care a lot about that. I, uh, 
Sway me, man. Sway me. Sway me back. Bring me back. Here's my thing is like, obviously there's songs that feel like openers and closers. I actually like to try to find where there's a unifying vibe and keep that vibe going for as long as possible. I mean, I think we, we went through this on records. Like there's some records I'm like, man, like you want to just like, I often want to go from like, if there's like a lot of songs that feel the same, I don't want to break it up with a ballad where some people are like, break it up. I'm like, I want people to just stay on this and then start getting hooked to listening to that section of the record and let's say they don't like ballads like there's a lot of bands i don't like their ballads or their acoustic songs i fuck i make a playlist every time i like a record and i just start hitting delete off the songs i want people to get addicted to the feeling that is most common on the record and have that feel good and then if they're not feeling the other parts of the record then cool get rid of it on your playlist or don't add it to the playlist you use or whatever but i want them to feel that and continue listening to the record there's this band my favorite band right now is this band pale waves it took me forever to get into some of the songs of the record because like they were buried after some songs I didn't like and like I wasn't listening through it and then once I got to it now I'm like I moved those songs up in a playlist and I'm like banging those songs all the time now yeah see and that's so crazy though because what you're saying is even if you don't like the band's track or you made your own yes it's totally true it's basically a suggested order when it comes to streaming these days yeah totally that's some wisdom shit right there that like I had and I and I lost that you might bring me back on I feel you because we did go through that stuff with Man Overboard Records but oh yeah I mean we would be we would be moving it around and around and around in circles for I a while I actually think we would like sit in your room and just move them yep that's exactly what we do see how they felt together and then like sit there and keep on drinking yeah I guess it all does depend on too like the band and the aesthetic of the band then I guess it's a different conversation but a lot of the times we're doing like five to seven song guys so it's like and the band's rolling them out as singles and then they put their record out like eventually I do feel you I agree 100% that that's a good way to go about it I just I've lost that fire yeah you know it's funny too because like a first song on a record is an impression because people are gonna be like yo you gotta listen to this record I love it but at the same time like a lot of times when people are like yo you gotta bump this band i go over to spotify and i hit play on the most popular song i don't hit play on the record i might hit play on the most popular song from that record yeah and then you make your own playlist of the songs you like from all the records yep it really is a weird thing of that impressions are totally different now especially if you're making your own playlist that's like some shit i never even thought about doing i didn't like song two through four so you know i moved them down you're like damn I didn't even think about doing that. Dude, the second I hear a record I like, because I'm never going to remember that I liked it if I only listen to it once, I hit new playlist on Spotify the second I do it so that I'm reminded like when I'm like, oh, I want to listen to some music now. What are my choices? I just look through my playlist thing. Crazy, man. Crazy times. Yes. So with that, what's a good lesson you've learned from another producer? Jeez. The one that stands out to me the most, the most recent recording experience I had was was when we did go to the blasting room. And that was just like really helping the singer out. Like I always tracked vocals very well. But then I went there and I saw just like a different approach of it. Like him coming in and out of the room and like singing with me in the room and stuff like that. So like that lesson of like really making the singer comfortable, super comfortable is really taking over my thing here. So like every time it comes time to track vocals, I like have a little pep talk. You know, it's almost like a football game before we start. Sit them down like, all right, dude, this is the song. Let's listen to it together. How you feeling? Give me the part. Let's hear it. You sound great. Let's go in there like you feel good. You want me to dim the lights? What's up? You know, maybe light a little candle, maybe give them the weed pen. You know, I tr really try to like make the person feel super comfortable. And, um, I, and I think that in doing that, you get takes that they didn't even think they had in them. 
you know because they're like fuck like you know bands like that that don't really know they come in like god i gotta record my now it's time for me to sing they're nervous they get in there like shaking they're forgetting words like oh one more time i've really found that making people comfortable as comfortable as possible has gotten like the best takes out of them and they've left here being like yo that was like not only so comfortable but like i didn't even know i could like sound like that that's right i'm an old hippie now you know (laughs) how about what's something people get wrong about you that i have hair (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't no one gets that wrong don't flatter yourself oh, no, zang zang me on the podcast you got me no one gets that wrong like i say things in a joking way a lot like i try to like if i want to get my point across i try to like joke around it so it's not like weird or anything so i think that when i like bring the hammer down people don't think i have that hammer you know what i'm saying i feel like people don't like nick's all fun and games he's all fun against which i am and i try to be like very fun in the studio and, and keep the vibe very happy but there are times where i'm like all right yo everybody out everybody out it's just me and the guy get out go in the fucking lounge and they're like wait what what just happened i'm like dude like it's time for me to work like i gotta sit here now and make sure your singer like does what he's got to do so like yeah it's all fun it's all fun but like get the fuck out now (laughs) i think that people don't expect me to do that in the studio and i do it quite often i'm with you we were just talking about this that you are so that yeah there's got to be the like fun cuddly teddy bear but that fucking teddy bear's got to show teeth sometimes and like i've always had to have that balance of like i even think back to like us tracking together i mean like when it was time to like really get shit done you either like kicked us the fuck out or like had just me in there, just Zach in there, you know, like it was rare that like everybody was in there talking and chilling until it was like time to like work. Then you're like, yo, it's like, it's time. And like, I don't know. I think that's super important in the studio. Like you said, to be like very fun and making people comfortable. But then when it's time, like, cause it's like pressure on me, the band's going to fucking smoke weed and drink and chill. Like I sound like you right now, dude, you know how many kids I've called stone ranger, (laughs) you know, I'm like, dude, you're smoking weed. I'm about to track you. It's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, dude, you're not fine. Cause I'm going to go real fast and you're going to look at me like I got six heads <laughs> and then I'm going to look back at you. Like I'm going to rip yours off. So like, what's up, dude, go outside, get some fresh air. So I, I'm like very that now. So that's the way you got to be, dude. How crazy is it hearing it from me saying that, you know, it's a little crazy. I will it's be okay for me to be high though. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some truth to, to like, knowing you could do it what what you could do like you know it's like really funny for me it's like you know i know for some people they shouldn't be hung over when they do a podcast interview but if i'm hung over when i do a podcast interview well i've probably done 200 of these this year and you're doing one yeah yeah and you're like and it's really good you know? yeah it's like it's fine i know what i could get away with because i'm experienced you're not experienced yeah it's like dude just let let daddy help you out here put the weed pen down go outside come back in five minutes run around <laughs> <laughs> what's something outside of the audio world that you're good at being a father yeah you are a good dad I'm a good dad, I think. It's tough because I'm trying to juggle, you know, doing the studio. And you know more than anybody, dude, that it doesn't shut off. Like, if I'm not recording, I'm mixing. If I'm not mixing something, I'm editing something. If I'm not doing that, I'm listening to new music. If I'm not doing that, I'm messaging a band or, like, trying to grow the Instagram. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's my baby. 
So like I can't shut off. If I shut off, the studio shuts off. So like juggling that, you know, I'm like a new dad. Like Olivia's fucking 20 months now. Marley's five. So like I'm in it right now. I pat myself on the back pretty, pretty frequently that I'm juggling it right. You know, definitely one thing I'll say I'm great at is being a dad. And same thing for my wife. You know, <laughs> if she's listening, you're great too, honey. <laughs> Nice. Video content, though, I will say, I, I think I've gotten good at video content. It's starting to look I, great, yeah. You ever watch those Instagram videos where, like, they crush something or, like, they, like, trim a bush? It's, like, those satisfying videos, like, you just can't stop watching it. I've found, for me, like, watching a drummer play the take that's recorded is, like, so satisfying to me. So, like... One thing I've been trying to do with bands that like have killer drummers is like, yo, we're going to hit this course one more time. I'm going to videotape you and it's going to be the take that we're going to keep. So like nail it. If you don't nail it, we'll erase the video and do it again. But like I've kind of involved that into the recording experience with these bands. It's like documenting it, you know, and like watching it. If you fall in love with the band that I've recorded and you're like, yo, that chorus just bangs. And you can watch the drummer play that take of us in the studio. I think it's so special. My greatest regret, honestly, in life now is like, I used to be so bad. You know, my father owned the fucking first videotaping business on the East Coast. This whole thing, like, we you are know, one of the first ones. And like, hell yeah, I didn't know that. I th I'm sure I told you this, but you know, he just videotaped and took a picture of me every moment. So there's just so much of my life that I don't have any documentation of. Because I was just like fucking rebelling and like, I'm like, I don't want this shit anymore. Fuck you. Yeah. Take the, turn the camera off, dad. Yeah. Now I like totally regret it. And like, it's even the thing like, you know, I wish we had video of us making real talk and things like that. Oh my like, God, dude. Me too. Like, it would be amazing. Yeah. Instead, we were just, you know, getting blackout drunk and coming home, not being able to speak and stuff. Yeah, and I was I think I was taking mushrooms and like walking around that building. Yes, you were. Yeah, that was fun. So yeah, I've I've gotten good at that. I've gotten good at like putting the song to the thing so you can watch. And I don't really see any other studios doing it. And I, I'm like pumped that it's me right now doing it. And if I do find anyone doing it, I'm coming after you. Oh, well, you see the videos we're doing. It's a little different, but you, when, you see, when you see what we got cooking, you're going to... No, I'm excited because I feel like everybody should be doing it. You know, yeah. every studio should be doing it. If they're taking it as serious as, as us, like you should be. That's one thing I think I've gotten good at. What's the musical bait of your existence? What makes me insane is when people say, oh, it'll only take five seconds or something like that. Like, dude, can you pull that up though? It's only going to take five seconds. I'm like, dude, it don't take five seconds. <laughs> I think that or like when people are like, it's easy. And like, dude, this song will be easy. This one will be easy. Like, dude, nothing's easy. Everything's a pain in the ass. Like, we got to get it right. So like, it shouldn't be easy. We should be working to make this shit banging. So like, I don't know. I guess that kind of pisses me off. It takes a lot to really piss me off in the studio. Like a lot. You almost got to like literally talk down to me and like touch me in a weird way or push me or something to, for me to really be like, what the hell? You know, like uh, that does take a lot. I will say that. What's your mine is a lot of the time like people forcing a idea that betrays the whole idea that we like came up with for our record. Like, OK, yeah, I can see that. Like, you know, like we're like we're making a record of bangers. Like we just want to like this should be roll the windows down summer record. And then somebody's like, yo, what about this dark and moody song? And you're like, dude, like we've, <laughs> we've been discussing this record of bangers for like three months. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one. <laughs> I like that. That pisses me off. Or like, it's like, yo, this is just like a straight song record, like no guitar pedals. And then it's like, 
they we get done. It's like maybe we should put some guitar pedals on this. It's like yeah, yeah, I love that. That's the whole idea. We didn't go with. We worked and thought really hard of this. That's called your next record. Yeah, you know what's amazing my existence is people who haven't realized that you're gonna make another record. Like so many times, like when I say to people, like yo, this song's good. You guys did not figure out the bridge for this, or you guys have not figured out this thing for this. It'll go on your next record, and people treat it like they're never going to make a record again. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one too. I never really thought of that either. I guess there is a lot of things that piss me off. Pissing me pissing off. Pissing me off. <laughs> for for those who know that one. Yeah, man, that's for the real ones. Okay, how about your greatest poker face moment as a producer? I recorded this guy who came in. And the chorus, he sang a movie life lyrics. And I'm sitting there and he's like, if my mind's a weapon, my heart's the extra clip. And I was like, dude, that's the movie life. He was like, no, it's not. I'm like, dude, yes, it is. And like, I tried so hard to like, just keep that face. He's like, it's H2O. I'm like, no, it's not. And if it is. You're stealing it. So, like, I don't know if that's, like, a poker face moment, but that's definitely a moment that I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? That is definitely one. It's, like, one of those things that's also, like, really embarrassing. That the most embarrassing one I had recently like that was they sang it, and I didn't realize that they sang another song I had worked on. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? I'm like, this is embarrassing as fuck. It was, like, a knuckle puck song. And uh, I'm like, you're like you're like you had no idea i had no idea they like released it they're like yo should we before we put out the record change this lyric and like then re-upload the video and i'm like uh yeah 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 you're like oh sure sure yeah yeah that might be a good idea you like literally use the first line of a knuckle puck song as your first line yeah that might be a good idea my g <laughs> Kind of not a good move. Yeah, I love it, dude. And when I told that guy, I'm like, you know, you can't do that. He's like, yeah, well, I used to work for a lawyer, and I changed just one word, so it's not it's not going to be a big deal. Okay. Whatever you say, my dog. Yeah, I'm like, uh, you could say that Ace recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> How about, do you have a philosophy on the equipment you buy? Right now, I've been strictly like on the Apollos kick. I got two Apollos right now, the um, UAD quads. I've been using that. Right now, I, I've only been doing like a lot of plugins. I've been buying plugins more and just less gear. That's my next question is like, tell me a, some gear or a plugin that you're using that you seem to love that no one else loves. Actually, you know, it's funny. I bought that Soothe plug. Yeah, other. well, but everybody loves that. I mean, yeah, that, that that's cool. Sometimes though, sometimes though, I don't know if it's working. I will well, say, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's not necessary. If people are praising it like it works, then like sometimes I'm like, dude, I don't think you even know what the hell you're listening to because I don't fucking hear it doing shit right now. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of plugins because like I feel like I have enough gear right now to like record really well. It all comes down to the mixing for me. I've been like diving so hard into mixing with like I even thought like you. We were, we were talking about earlier the URN Summit stuff and a lot of like Andrew Shep videos and um, that dude Jordan Valariet. I've been on the straight plugging game. What's a plugin I really like? I really like the Neve 88 RS that they do and I like all the manly stuff is really cool that they have even the API plugins you know like the 2500 is so sick I got a lot of the slate stuff too you know I feel like you either love that guy or hate that guy I love him I think he's awesome he, I just bought the uh, VMS 
Oh, yeah, I saw you bought that, yeah. Yeah, I've been messing around with that. It's pretty cool because it's like I can change the way it sounds from, like, verse to chorus. And, like, normally I don't have that power when I'm tracking vocals. You know, we use one mic and that it, it's, it is what it is. For that, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, it sounds really good on the verse. And then when the chorus comes, I, like, change the mic. And that's, like, a cool thing I never really could do. So, like, I've been, like, having a lot of fun with that. I mean, it's like the Spike Stead thing is, like, he changes the EQ curve from verse to chorus and you hear it. And, like, if you don't know he does that you don't notice it but then like once he talks about that that's the thing he does in every song like when i hear spike stead mix up I'm like there's times i don't even know he mixed a song and then i'm like oh yeah he totally does that there's one thing i've been doing in songs recently i, I really like the lexicon reverb that uad has they have the setting on there called atmosphere and for some of the stuff like i'll like bury like to like send to an aux and like run stuff through it and it creates like this awesome depth that like I never could get for like lead or like pad guitars and stuff. So like that's something I've been trying to put in every mix, like trying to make it my thing, like epic shit here and there. So yeah, you heard it here first. Lexicon. Nice. What do you call it? Uh, how about the best piece of gear under $200? Like what's something that you're like, man, this is my shit. And it's so cheap. I can never believe how cheap it is. Uh, Magic Mouse. Oh yeah. Is that $200? I think that's under $200. I didn't realize that's what you're using. No, I'm just kidding. Um, damn, under two hundred dollars. I guess SM57. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is one for me. It's the never never stops getting used. Yeah, two SM57s and you're good. I think I'm big right now in the plug-in game, man. I just feel, and I haven't even been using crazy shit. Like sometimes just like the regular gate or like the regular EQ. Like if I could really work that stuff in, then I'm good. You know. So I don't really know any gear under two hundred dollars. You got anything? I mean, you know, I'm in love with the Soothe. You know, I just started using this plugin called Golfos. It is AI EQ. Okay. It's fucking incredible. I'll have to, I'll send you a link when we get off of here, but I'm, I don't even, I can't even say what I'm using it for yet because I'm still experimenting with it, but basically intelligently adds EQ for what you tell it you want from it. Wow. It sounds incredible. Literally, like this is the past few days I've been mixing a record and I've been like fucking loving this thing, so... Yeah, I got to check that. I like weird, different plugins, you know, stuff that like changes a mix you wouldn't think of ever. That's why I really like that like atmosphere thing and creating like that depth. Even like if a band doesn't sound good with it, sometimes like you try and it like works. You're like, wow, this is like so different sounding all of a sudden. Yeah, my big thing is if something could really reinvent the sound, like uh, I've been really into a soft tube harmonics plugin. You know, I always liked Decapitator, but now I'm using it in a different way than I used to after watching Kurt Ballou's Nail the Mix. I'm really into that now too, is because like putting an EQ into Decapitator, you can like change the whole tone of a mix. Like I can literally send the band my same exact levels and just do that. And like they literally like, yo, did you mix the whole song again? And it's like, no, that's just a different frequency span treatment on everything. You send like the mix to that? Put the whole mix through that on the Master Fader and can literally like change the whole vibe, like make it sound like it's a more analog mix and more chill. And like I'll do a more raw mix and then I'll do a more like heavy mix and like it can be like total game changer you know they don't always choose that one but if there's something nice for them hearing the one of the things i'm really into now is like if the band hears all the different creative ways you could go and mix because most bands don't know that the mixes can sound different and how different they are when they hear it they get really good ideas that's a good point too because what i've been doing when i've been sending mixes out i'll try to give like three looks 
Yes. Like mix one, look one, mix one, look two, etc. So just so they can hear like what like you said, like, yo, you guys can sound like this if you want. You know, like bands don't really get it. They think like, yo, we're a pop punk band, we gotta sound like that. When you hit them with something like running through the decapitator, so I'm like, oh shit, like this is like still what I want to sound like, but like a different vibe I never thought of. That's what I've been trying to hit them with different look. Nice. That's the way to do it. Okay, give us some self-promotion and then we're gonna wrap this up. Self-promotion, hey man, I'm good at doing this. I'm good at doing recording. <laughs> now we really got a good thing going here. I really feel like our studio is really hitting its stride. We're really good with like writing songs with bands and helping them out as far as structure, melody, lyrics, and then like things to do even after when you get out of the studio. So like, I feel like we got like a whole kind of team thing built around here. Um, we've been trying to do the bundle thing. I don't know if you, you saw that, but it's like, you can get three songs, you can get 50 shirts from Cold Cuts, you can get a video doc of you in the studio for like a certain price. So it's actually popular for a lot of bands just because it's like a whole thing in one trip. So we give a fuck here. So this is as much as I can say. That's a perfect way to end it. We give a fuck. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the golden rule of the internet, that if you enjoy something you got for free, please tweet, Facebook, share, or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that. Please check out Noise Creator's website and take a look around. We have tons of interviews, discographies, Spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you're unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can be also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going.